are listening to Talks for Change, a podcast series which aims to share innovative ideas that inspire across various disciplines whilst celebrating achievements and ideas from Curtin University's young alumni community. This podcast, along with the Young Alumni Program, is really special because it's for young alumni by young alumni. We hope you enjoy this month's episode. Hi everyone, my name is Milan Matthew and I'm excited to be hosting this month's episode of Talks for Change. I'm the Programs Coordinator for the Young Alumni Advisory Board, aka the YAB, and today we will be hearing from an inspirational Curtin graduate who was a, who was a re- recipient of the highly commended Young Esteem Champion of the Year from Peel Bright Minds. Our guest today is Sam Reed Vanez. Sam graduated from Curtin with a Bachelor of Science in Applied Geology in 2017 and has since created his own startup, an educational technology platform called Menesco. Hello, Sam, and welcome to Talks for Change. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. It's, it's really good to have you. Uh, it's um, a very different sort of um, background that we're getting to hear from today, and especially with the entrepreneurial journey that you've had so far. So we're quite keen to hear about your journey. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's, it's really great to be able to talk about education and educational technology. We're kind of a niche area in the startup scene, so it's, it's good to get some exposure. Awesome. So before we get to the journey to Menesco, could you talk to us a little bit more about yourself, uh, perhaps what brought you to Curtin, your, your background and things like that? Sure thing. So I, um, I was born in Perth, but my parents are from Malaysia. Okay. I grew up in Perth at the earlier half of my life. And then at, a, at about age 11, I moved to a country town called Boddington. My parents are both teachers and they got posted to this very small town. Uh, but it was actually a very nice, supportive community, which was great. I went through all of high school in this small town, and I had to do a lot of my subjects online for when I was trying to get into uni. Sure. And after I graduated, I decided geology was a really interesting avenue for me because I wanted to learn about science, but not just one specific area. And I really liked the, the idea that earth science, geology, has so many different aspects to it. So it, it definitely seemed like a, a big draw for me. Okay, definitely. Yeah. And uh, how long was that for the, the degree at Curtin? That was three years. So I graduated yes. in 2017. And how was your experience at Curtin um, in terms of uni time and studies and things like that? Uh, were you it uh, was... staying on campus or were you transiting between Bonington uh, and uh, Perth? Yeah, so it was, it was excellent, especially when I first stayed on campus. So the first year and a half of my uni degree, I stayed on campus at Vickery House. Sure. Uh, I didn't have a license at that point. So I was just right into the whole uni experience, but I, I definitely won't ever forget that. That was really good fun. After I got my license, it was easier to just drive up and down, especially yeah. because Ken's really good with you can move your classes around, you can make it quite flexible. So sure. I managed to put all my classes in just two days a week. Uh, there were two full days, but it saved me a lot of driving, which is really good. That's great. Yeah, you said in Bickery House, um, I've had some experience as well in terms of living on, on campus. So yeah, it's an interesting and fun experience. Very fun. Going on to Manesco, and uh, in terms of when you were studying in Boddington, and you said uh, just now that you had done some online, an online platform. So was that part of the inspiration to start Manesco? That definitely, I would say, laid the seeds of, of what would eventually become uh, Menesco. When I was dealing with, with online learning platforms at quite a young age, 
and I wasn't fully satisfied with them and they seemed quite clunky, it was just a dissatisfaction that I had. And it didn't, it didn't move on from there until I was graduating uni and I started to see that students are still having the same dissatisfaction and I'm an adult sure. now and I'm about to finish uni. So hopefully I can actually do something about this and, and maybe help improve their lives. So what was that, the first seed of thought that you've, after graduating from uh, Curtin in Applied Geology and you had to think of what, what next? Uh, what got you yeah. started first with uh, Menesco? Yeah, great question. Uh, a very funny thing people always wonder, it's, you, know, you did geology, but now you're in educational <laughs> technology. So it's quite a tangent. Um, <laughs> but when I, when I was in my last year of, of geology, I was actually volunteering at a lot of schools. Sure. And when I would go in, the kids would get uh, put on online platforms by their teachers. And there was this sort of collective groan whenever they were told to do it. <laughs> and the, the platforms are basically just digitized textbooks and they were not engaging. They weren't too relevant. Some of the content was obviously from America or from the UK and the kids know it. And they, they kind of, they, they disengage more when there's this uh, obvious separation. So I was noticing this thing while I was, volunteering and on the other hand i also didn't want to get into mining so it was sort of the the perfect little combination for me that i'm finishing uni now i see some sort of problem that i can solve and it was a easy direction for me to head in and a nice tangible direction and that's that's sort of what laid the groundwork for me to decide to incorporate my own uh, startup so that that's that's very interesting how some um Oh, I'm not really random, but you know, an experience that you had outside of uni, uh, sort of put that thought in your mind to get started on that. So that's, that's very interesting. Um, and I think we, we spoke uh, earlier as well, and uh, you you said your parents uh, are, were teachers. And so was that part of your inspiration to uh, get into this line of business? Definitely. So my parents have, have been educators for over a decade now, and they, they really helped support the the idea and I, I couldn't do something like this without understanding the problems that the teachers faced as well. So yes, having that really good uh, market research and that insight into problems teachers are facing. And then when I do research with students, problems that students are facing, I could finally make a more wholesome, tangible product instead of just guessing. So my parents were easily instrumental in creating what this is now. Uh, that, that's great, actually, because that, that way, when you're testing the product, you have, you know, the right people in your I house. have these guinea uh, pigs at home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whom you can ask all the questions. So, because it's always, when exactly. it comes to creating any product, especially a technology-based uh, product, you, it's both sides of um, the case that you need to be sure that in both, there's two parts of this. And there's one, exactly. the teachers who have to deliver it, and the others, uh, the students who have to, well, you know, make sense of it. So, yeah, I think that's... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Again, to, to, could you talk to us about how that, so once you've had that, once you had that thought, you know, after graduating um, and you, you did your volunteering and that you had that inspiration to do it, could you talk to us about how from the ground up it began? Yeah, so it was quite a daunting process uh, to, to begin with. Um, what a lot of startups don't usually do is they don't legally incorporate until much later. Like they might even wait until they have an investor and then they'll legally incorporate. But I knew I was capital poor, so for people to help out at the startup, we would need to give them shares. And to give shares, you actually have to be an incorporated private company. So the sure. first thing I did uh, just before I graduated 
the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, the government website has a really great guide on how to incorporate your company. So that was the first thing I did. I just focused on the legal aspect of it. I used a, a legal service called Legal Zebra to make up some contracts. I incorporated the, com the company using the whole guide on the government website. And that, that's basically the, the main step I started from. Going off from there, I started connecting with teachers. So yes. the mathematics, uh, the mathematics coordinator at the company was actually my father, which is very handy for me. Okay. Um, one of my English teachers was the English coordinator, and I found a great guy over in Malaysia that could do the humanities uh, coordination. And I did the science, obviously. So I was putting that geology degree to some use. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we went on from there, and I basically worked together with them. And we had the naive idea that we would create all of this learning content and it would be excellent, but we wouldn't have to make a platform because the content would be so good that an investor would invest and then we would get outsourced uh, development for the actual platform. Sure. Uh, obviously, <laughs> after, after a while, we realized that's quite a naive sort of outlook. Um, and I, I realized that if people don't have something tangible to play around with and they just have a have a promise of a platform, it's, it's yeah. not enough. It's not enough to show a school or an investor or a student. So I went back uh, online and I, I studied um, Ruby on Rails. So it's okay. a pretty, pretty good um, coding language, a, a platform for, la uh, for coding that lets you make an MVP quite fast. So you uh, can create sorry, prototypes. Sorry, what's an MVP, sorry? Oh, sorry, a minimum viable product. Okay, sure. So it is the, the most basic form of what you are trying to produce in the most minimal way to get your point across, basically. Okay. And this, this coding language, Ruby, was, was quite good for that. So I learned that online, and then I created, alongside with um, one of my friends who's also a Curtin graduate, he did computer science, we created a nice basic uh, MVP. Okay, cool. So you had, you had to go back to a bit of coding, uh, learning. That must have been a bit daunting. I've done a a five minutes of it, and yes, it was quite hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tricky. But I think um, one good thing about Curtin is it definitely cemented independent learning and being responsible for your own learning. So sure. once you have those, those values and those skills, um, I find that doing things like this without someone bearing down on you like how you, we'd be in high school, yeah, it's a lot easier nowadays where you're responsible for your own learning and you kind of have the, the drive inside of you to, to go and find out these things without someone pushing you to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what happened after that? So you, after setting up the MVP? Yeah. So after we set up the MVP, we definitely still had a lot more work to do on it, but we managed to get into the um, plus eight sprint pre-accelerator program. So Plus8 is a company or an organization based in Perth, uh, hence the Plus8 for GMT Plus8, oh, okay. um, <laughs> that they specialize in accelerating startups. And they, they've, they've helped startups uh, raise millions of dollars, which is excellent. And they, they have a whole ecosystem and alumni of, of different startups uh, from all over the country. And this pre-accelerator program joined together 20 other startups, including my own, Okay, to nice. basically increase our business development, make us understand our, you know, our unique selling proposition, sure. our customer acquisition costs, basically just trying to make us better startups and more attractive for investment. 
And I learned a lot throughout the course. It was a two-month course, and it was, it was very intensive. And we were a lot of collaboration, a lot of working together, a lot of Curtin grads in there, actually, which was really nice to see. Oh, yeah, that's um, good. And as we went through, uh, at the end, we had to do this large pitch event. And yes. it was attended by over 100 people. So it was quite daunting. It was, it was one of the first times that I'd been pitching to not a school audience and not a teacher yes. audience, but to actual uh, other startups and other investors and entrepreneurs. So it was quite more, um, I would say, scrutinizing yes. and a bit more daunting. Yes, I understand. Um, but as we went through it, we did really well, uh, fortunately, and we actually won the golden ticket for the night. So the people awesome. have a vote. And we won that vote. So we get to pitch at a much larger event in November. Oh, cool. And that will get us a spot into the accelerator, which we would then be funded between $20,000 to $100,000, which would be excellent for us. Yeah, that, that would be a great result. And, and, and in November, is that, again, happening online now? Or is it based in Perth so it can happen in person? I think they are still juggling that one. So, yeah, if, if this was any other year, all of this would have been in person. But... It, it, who knows what, what, what things would be yeah. like at the point. It probably will be online. You, Curtin's young alumni, are emerging as the next generation of leaders, creators, game changers, innovators and more. So make sure you keep your details up to date with the alumni and community relations team so you don't miss out on exciting news and event information. And always tag Curtin Young Alumni when posting photos and stories on social media. In terms of building that technology, um, because I mean, I'm a bit curious to, uh, to know about the startup scene in Perth, but what, were there any other issues or hassles in terms of, you know, apart from the coding work that you had to do to build the technology behind the platform? So technological issues? We had a few. <laughs> um, when you when when you code, there's a lot of random issues that will go wrong. Like the the one of the repositories or the libraries you're using suddenly won't work anymore uh, for no reason, and you'll just get a message from GitHub saying, you know, this thing is has a security flaw. Please fix it. And what seems like an easy fix turns into about a month of trying to trying to oh, troubleshoot wow. something. Okay. Uh, and especially myself because. I didn't do computer science at university. I have a, I have a limited coding background. So it was a lot of um, putting out fires to begin with, but we finally got it to a place where we're quite happy with it. Um, the main platform is coded with Ruby on Rails, but a lot of the front end stuff is through JavaScript. Awesome, okay, cool. And, uh, and so that, that must have been quite time consuming in terms of an effort, in terms of getting that across. Yeah, I guess, I guess the biggest issue is that it's not, um, you can't account for it because say you set out your whole month and you've got, you know, I've got meetings, I've got workshops to do, lectures or all sorts of things um, to do with the company yeah. and the coding, I, you know, if it wants its MVP, I don't even need to allocate time for it yet. Then something suddenly will, will break <laughs> within the platform and that whole month gets thrown out. And then all those things I had planned are now dedicated to fixing the problem. problem. So it can be quite a, uh, unpredictable sort of uh, area, and uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah, that must that must be taking up quite hard as well to manage everything else that you're doing and doing uh, going behind this for some time. Um, so, in terms of pitching this to 
uh, to other schools or other businesses in terms of an uptake? How has that been like? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely gotten a lot better ever since we completed the program. So we've gotten a great amount of buzz around us, a lot of great uh, news articles and and um, media attention, which is really nice. We actually featured in a documentary as well by the Peel government. So they were just trying to promote entrepreneurialism in in the in the region, and that was really nice to to give us the um, people confidence. And I I, feel, I find that when we get this buzz around us, it increases our legitimacy and it helps us be more confident in how we actually portray and, and, and show what we're doing. Um, due to the virus, as bad it is, as it is, a lot of parents and teachers and students have actually shown a lot more interest in our platform and have hoped that it was already market ready and it was ready to be bought because a lot of people were thrown on these online platforms really quickly but none of them were too great. And it was quite a hastily done thing when the, when the virus shut down the schools. So it helped, um, the virus actually helped legitimize uh, our area, which is e-learning, which was. Accelerate that process. Keen to know about this as well, in terms of, you mentioned about the government, uh, you know, doing the documentary for the startups. And I think it goes into that question that I had about, what's the startup scene like or the what's the uptake like for just about you know entrepreneurs in general and also um and i'm I'm curious for the listener listeners out there in terms of if they had to go ahead and you know start on their journey uh what do you think are the right platforms and the right support systems uh that they should be looking at yeah i'm a great question so the startup scene in perth i had always assumed was very small and very sort of located just to the CBD. Like it's something that's just, just in the city center. And outside of that, you won't really find too many startups. I live rurally and I kind of definitely felt that disconnection. There were startup events sometimes on, but they were you know very late and they were very far away for me. And it kind of just seemed like a niche um, CBD thing, but <clears throat> we didn't seem like we had too much of a startup scene here. Uh, that that idea and my perception of that has actually changed uh, over time when I found out that we do actually have quite a big startup scene. It's just very spread out and people like me that live far away and people all over Perth, it's all actually, it's not localized, but because of the virus, everyone has kind of come out of the woodwork because we are all having events and meetings now over zoom. So the the, the blessing of, 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 of the virus is that, we're now much more interconnected. I find that the, the Perth startup scene is much more comfortable with just meeting up online because we know that everyone is already pretty far apart. So there's definitely a really good startup network there, especially Plus Eight's one that they've created. Um, if someone is still in Curtin, I would highly recommend joining Bloom. So I actually, I really wish I joined Bloom Curtin. Uh, that would have been a great initiative to kind of understand what I'm trying to make and what I'm trying to do and to help iterate the ideas and talk to people about it. Because I think that the most important thing is speaking to people and brainstorming and spitballing ideas. If you just have an idea and you don't talk about it with anyone, it's hard to make it better. It's hard to flesh it out. So, yeah. yeah that's, that's really good advice. And I, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's about being aware of the existing platforms, maybe at uni or even outside, or just like you said, talking to people, that's what gets things going. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I just, in terms of future horizons, um, what's the, what's the future for yourself, um, um, or, or the company, what, what's happening in the future? 
Yes, yeah, so I would say we have rather ambitious um, future plans. Yeah. So we plan to be in every school in Australia, or the majority of every school in Australia, by 2022. Yes. After we're in all of the schools, or at least most of them, we plan to increase our scope, not just to high school, but all the way from K to 12. Right now, we're just focusing on high school. Okay. Sure. After that, we're planning on doing TAFE and university um, versions of the platform because I know that if I was in university, I would have loved something like this. So we have quite, quite large goals there. Uh, onwards from that, when I was in Japan last year, I made some connections at the international schools there. So yes. the international baccalaureate schools are a type of school that is, they're in, I think, over like 100 countries and they have the same curriculum and the same sort of management system. And we would really love to expand to that market eventually so that we can open up in all the IB schools around the world. Oh, awesome. That's, that's big plans within Australia and outside. Yeah. That's, that's really good. That's really good to hear. Uh, what about yourself personally? How's the next few years looking like in terms of personal improvement or development and things like that? Anything that you have on mind? Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of courses that I, I want to do online when I get time um, in educational neuroscience and whatnot. I really want to be at the forefront of educational research and development and really understanding what makes students tick. Um, but also I am running for local government elections. Um, the elections will be held next month, I believe, which is really exciting because I think I'll be the youngest um, candidate and hopefully the youngest uh, councillor if elected. And there's a lot of changes I want to make uh, in the town just to help sort of guide it towards a more modern and progressive um, outlook. Awesome. Cool. And where did that sort of motivation come that, uh, because you've got a busy time as, as an entrepreneur as it is. And so very what, true. <laughs> where did the motivation come to learn for local elections? That's I, pretty I, cool. I think, uh, I think a sickness that a lot of entrepreneurs have is they're like putting more and more and more on their plate until they're stretched so thin <laughs> that they have, <laughs> they can't function. But, uh, I definitely have that. But, um, actually my mom served as a counselor for four years previously and I saw the changes that she enacted and I was very inspired by that. So going on from that, there was a vacancy and I thought, well, maybe I can also try and enact some changes as well and, and try and guide things in, in a way that I feel is, is great for the town and for the community. Awesome. That's great. Good luck with that too. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Also for, finally, we like to finish our episodes with a piece of advice or wisdom for, for our listeners. Um, is there anything that you'd like to share, perhaps advice for young graduates who are looking to get started on their own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey? Uh, I, I think we've touched on a fair bit there, and I think that's all really good advice. But anything that you could be give, give uh, uh, from the, off the top, you know, as, as the most important or, or the simplest bit that you've found uh, has sure. just been helpful for you? Yep. Uh, books. Read a lot of books. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, The Originals by Adam Grant is probably one of the best ones that I've read. Um, so there's some great startup books out there, not the, not the self-development ones, but the, the actual startup ones on, on how to iterate an idea and how to actually make something profitable and something people will want. Uh, on from that is just having the, the confidence in yourself to create something and share it with people. We, we have an issue where we create something, but we feel quite self-conscious about it, so we don't share it. Yes. But sharing it and getting that critical feedback from people is essential. And if you can be comfortable with getting that critical feedback and sharing your ideas and, and changing it and pivoting, you'll make something that's really successful and something that you can be proud of. 
I think that's excellent advice. That's that, yeah, that critical feedback, uh, being willing to accept it. And then, you know, absolutely, that's spot on. Uh, on that note, I reckon this would be a great place for us to wrap up today. Thank you so much, Sam, for taking the time to talk with us today. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and most importantly, thank you to the listeners for listening. Uh, and remember, the conversation doesn't stop here. The purpose of the Talks for Change podcast series is not to only not only to hear about the incredible work our fellow alumni are doing, but also to get us inspired and connected to keep creating real change in the world. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like the Curtin Young, Young Alumni Facebook page and follow us on LinkedIn. And we'll catch you next time. If you think that you or another Curtin graduate under 35 has an amazing story to tell or interested in being part of Talks for Change, drop us a line at youngalumni.curtin.edu.au.